Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the FDIP, the official podcast of the Faculty Development and Innovation Center at EIU. I'm Kim Irvin, instructional designer at EIU, and your host today. This podcast series is to further promote teaching excellence through the sharing of information related to instructional design, teaching strategies, and innovation. In this episode, I'll share the importance of applying universal design for learning to your courses through the creation of accessible Word documents that then lead to accessible PDFs. This episode is another continuation of the interview the FDIC Director, Dr. Michael Gillespie, had with Student Disability Services Director, Dr. April Jackson, about universal design for learning. Now, it's the second or part two of a series of deeper dives into topics that were discussed in the interview. Part one, if you remember, was about captioning videos and included a definition of universal design. This episode is going to share best practices for creating accessible Microsoft Word documents that then lead to accessible PDFs. Now, to start us off, let's listen again to what Dr. Jackson had to say about accessible PDFs. So, so you're the Director of Student Disability Services, as I introduced you in the the intro, um, and you hear from a lot of students, you talk to a lot of students, so what are some struggles that you hear from students about um, maybe accessibility or being able to use uh, materials or even just experiences in their courses? We have a lot of students that even though they have specific accommodations, maybe those specific accommodations aren't encapsulating every single struggle they have depending on the class. Mm -hmm. So we could have a student that has a specific learning disability that only relates to reading. That said, Mm -hmm. reading encompasses across subject matters. So it's not just an English class that they need supports in. So it's possible that um, having, having PDFs in D2L, sometimes well-meaning instructors, adults, myself, all of us may think, oh, it's a PDF, it's accessible, or run it through OCR, the software. Now Mm -hmm. it's accessible. Not always. Right. So sometimes we're using stuff directly from a book that doesn't just automatically um, become accessible through software. Sometimes we're using something that has highlighting Mm -hmm. or things written in the margins. All of those things inhibit the ability to make it accessible. Okay. And it requires quite a bit of editing after the fact. When it comes to scanning something to make it a PDF, just keep in mind scanned text or handwriting is not accessible text. Scanned text becomes an image scan, which screen readers cannot read. All text contained in PDF files should be selectable and searchable. Now, an ideal situation is to start with a source document that has been edited for accessibility, then saved as a PDF. PDFs often start as Word documents, so an accessible Word document will definitely lead to a more accessible PDF. Here are some best practices for creating an accessible Microsoft Word source document. Best practice number one is to consider working in the Word desktop application versus its cloud or browser application named Microsoft Office 365. Personally, I locate tools and features associated with document accessibility easier and quicker in the desktop version. As I become more intentional about incorporating accessibility features into the Word documents I create, I have noticed my increasing preference for working in the Word desktop application 
versus the browser Microsoft Office 365 version. Number two, identify the title and author in document properties. Soon after creating a blank document usually comes assigning the document a file name. I propose naming the file and entering document properties information at the same time to try to train our brains to do this task. Now, Document Properties is located under the File tab in the upper ribbon. And entering this metadata into the document helps those using a screen reader organize and identify information about the file. Number three is an accessibility checker. Word has an accessibility checker, so why not try using it to see what you think? Consider opening this feature at document creation, so at least until it becomes second nature to use it, you don't lose sight of using it. As you're creating the document, the checker will present any accessibility errors, warnings, and tips. Plus, after running a report, report items can be selected, which will result in the issue being highlighted within the document for your reference, and information about the issue and instructions on how to repair it will be presented. Personally, I have used this checker and its report feature and can attest uh, to the successful fixing of issues following the provided instructions. You don't need an in-depth knowledge of Word or accessibility edits in Word to fix errors you may have in your document. Instructions for the errors my reports have come back with were very easy to follow. The accessibility checker is located on the top ribbon under the review tab. Number four is headings. Headings in Word should be used with any text that is manually styled to look like a heading and can be found on the home tab under styles. Word headings like heading one, heading two, heading three, or sometimes abbreviated even shorter like H1, H2, H3, provide the hierarchy, hierarchy of content organization for screen readers to follow. Screen readers use headings as navigation guides and allow screen reader users to easily jump from section to section or heading to heading within a document. Essentially, there should only be one heading one in the document. Heading one is the parent topic and all the rest of the document content falls within. Then heading twos with their associated body text fall under heading one. Then heading threes with their associated body text fall under heading twos. And the nesting continues. Number five is images within a document. When images are included in a document, alternative text or alt text for the image needs to be considered. Alt text is descriptive text, which conveys the meaning and context of a digital image. Screen readers read alt text, allowing the screen reader user a better understanding of the image. Dr. Jackson also shared a comment about alt text in her interview. There was one other, one other thing I wanted to ask about, because uh, um, like I said, we do a lot of course reviews and things for online courses, but also um, face-to-face courses and hybrid modalities. And someone actually asked me about this because a lot of times now you'll see even in you know your Twitter feed or uh, in, in different programs that alt text or the ALT on pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, can you speak a little bit about that and perhaps why it's important that 
when we're designing materials to pay attention to those things? Well, <laughs> very good example. Um, I actually have a student who um, is visually impaired mm-hmm. and a um, plethora of courses that are chosen are graphic design and graphic novels. Okay. And um, we could we can run PDFs of those until we're blue in the face and it's not going to do a thing. Okay. So um, the, it's again, it's just another proactive mm-hmm. way of being sure that the entire picture uh-huh, is shared right so it's it's just as important mm-hmm. as captioning of anything would be and um a lot can be missed if right. you if you don't it's yeah. just, I, mean, right. I mean it just seems um and i and i get it if you don't live it if you don't mm-hmm. work with it constantly i i get how that could be an oversight right but um it's just one more mm-hmm. proactive you don't have to go back later um students aren't going to complain later because oh it wasn't my fault right it wasn't done it's just another sure i want to say quick and easy i know Mm -hmm. it doesn't seem quick and easy whenever you have multiples but doing it once then it is quick and easy after right yeah yeah so the idea behind the alt text is so if someone has a documented visual disability right and needs to use a screen reader for example Mm -hmm. it'll go through and it'll actually read the text on there so if they can't see the picture it will describe what that picture is in the context of the text that is in that document or that powerpoint or whatever it is um, that it's reading so it gives them the information that anybody who doesn't have that visual accommodation can actually see with their own eyes right to enter alt text for an image in a word document simply right click on the image and choose alt text when wordsmithing alt text consider what is important about the image now it might be the setting uh, the captured emotions the colors etc and use keywords to to describe what is important within just one or two sentences in length. When there is text in an image, such as in a logo, best practice is to include the text in the image followed by the word logo. Like, for example, alt text for the EIU logo could be Eastern Illinois University logo. Images that are purely decorative can be marked as such and do not need any alt text. Screen reader users might hear the image is decorative and be reassured that they are not missing any important information. Number six, tables within documents. Tables should be set up as text and not embedded as images or screen captures. Now, if you're still standing up to this point with a perfect score on this list, this one may have gotten you. I know I'm guilty, and I do understand. Sourced tables can be so beautifully formatted. Um, However, when a table is in an image or screen capture, screen reader users cannot make the visual associations between the data and their appropriate row and or column headers. Tables should be set up in Word with headings for columns and rows. This will help screen reader users contextualize what is in each of the table's data cells. Tables should have captions, alt text, and be formatted so that the heading repeats. To set the heading to repeat, select the top row of the table, then right-click, then choose Table Properties, click on the Row tab, and check Repeat as Header Row at the top of each page, then choose OK. Also, one last comment about tables. They really are meant just for use with tabular data. 
If you happen to be using a table to format or place text, consider researching other word tools and features to accomplish the same or similar outcome. Like for example, maybe at the bottom of a document, there may be two contact names and their respective information side by side. One way to accomplish this formatting is to place the information in a table with two columns and rows for their information like email, address, phone, etc. Then go into table properties and turn off the table borders and cell outlines so there's no visual representation of a table. Now instead of using a table to solely format text, consider using other word tools to achieve the same visual effect. In this example, um, the columns tool could be used. Number seven is text color. When it comes to changing text color, text alone should not be relied on to convey meaning. So what does that mean? Here's an example I'll try to explain. If the colored text of a student name represents like what group they're in, also indicate the name of the group the student is in in parentheses behind their name. The group name in parentheses is a way for the student to determine which group they're in without being required to perceive different colors, even if the group name itself is in colored text as well. Number eight is underlining text. Reserve the use of underlining text to indicate navigation, such as hyperlinks, which is actually number nine, links. Screen readers can inform their users that they have encountered a link, so there is no need for redundancy by using display text such as the word link or phrases like click here, more here, or read more. Also, screen reader devices can allow their users to navigate document content by tabbing through links and bypassing other content. So for those reasons, it's important to use meaningful link text with URLs in the document. For example, instead of using the hyperlink https colon forward slash forward slash www.eiu.edu forward slash admissions forward slash, use more descriptive display text like Eastern Illinois University Admissions page. By no means is this an exhaustive list of accessibility edits in Microsoft Word. Think of them as best practices and the common issues flagged in a Word document or PDF when it's checked for accessibility. Hopefully this podcast will help these best practices resonate the next time you create a Word document. Links to how-to steps for the edits we covered are available in the show notes. Also, each college department on campus is supported by an Instructional Support Specialist, or ISS for short, that can help guide you through the steps of these edits as well. If you have a question that is more about pedagogy, don't hesitate to reach out to me. My contact information and a link to a document listing the current ISS assignments is available in the show notes as well. Until next time, keep in mind a quote from Elise Roy. When we design for disability first, you often stumble upon solutions that are better than those when we design for the norm. Thank you for listening and continuing to learn. 